The Triathlon Hour is brought to you by Pillar Performance. Pillar Performance are doing their first ever global Black Friday sale. It starts on November 20th, which is next Monday. And the deal's a good one. If you buy two Pillar micronutrient products, then you'll get a third one for free. I was thinking before about how I'd personally take advantage of this deal, and I think I'd buy Pillar's Ultra Immune C to try it if you haven't before. It's a super powerful immune support supplement, and we all know that less sickness equals more consistent and better training, and everyone who I've ever talked to who's tried it agrees with me that it really does lead to you getting sick less. I'd then try Ultra B Active, which is Jan Fredino's favorite product from Pillar Performance. You just take it every morning before training with your breakfast and coffee. It helps you optimize carbohydrate absorption pre-session. And then, of course, I'd get their famous triple magnesium powder. Or I guess because they've stocked up on triple magnesium for this sale, which if you've tried to buy it before, you know how quickly it sells out. You could just get three of their triple magnesium so that you're getting one for free and stocking up. Um, Yeah, really whatever works for you. The Black Friday sale will be taking place on all of Pillar's websites globally and through the feed in the USA. And remember that anytime you shop with Pillar Performance, use the discount code HTT20 for 20% off. I always had it planned to take a few weeks off the podcast after Kona thinking, you know what, these will probably be some quieter weeks. It's a good chance to get away and and relax a little bit. But I should have known that it's 2023 in the triathlon world and quiet weeks don't really seem to exist anymore. We had Mika Newton, Mattis Margier involved in one of the races of the year. Hayden Wilde stepped up from short course in in his first real true way with non-drafting and long course racing, winning both Noosa and Melbourne 70.3. Ash Gentle won her 10th Noosa title in a row and then today's guest, Rudy Von Berg, was just involved in everything from the Sam Laidlow drama and to his huge win at Ironman Florida, which, because it's come after the championship season, maybe hasn't got the attention it's quite deserved. So I thought today's the perfect time to, to have Rudy on and get stuck back into the podcast. Rudy, thanks for coming on the pod, mate. We have had this plan for a while, but it did seem like the perfect time. Where do you think we should start? Hi, Jack. Uh, thanks for having me. Um... Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure about the what you say about the Florida. They have the attention. I don't know, maybe from your media perspective, it didn't. But, I mean, I felt fine about it. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, we can start with Florida if you want. Yeah, let's start there. Talk to me a little bit about the race as a whole, your race, um, just just everything about it. Um. Well, so the big thing for me with Florida is, well, the first objective was I wanted to get my Kona slot early this year. So, I... Because I originally, I don't really want to do too many Ironmans next year. Uh, so that was the first uh, main goal. And then the second one, well, was obviously to perform in the race. But then, uh, and then the other main one was to get high points for the PTO ranking in order to get into the top 16, at least for the, the PTO tour next year. Yeah. So, and, and then a higher ranking would get me a higher end of the year bonus so it kind of ticked a, a lot of boxes all at once so the win was uh it was really great for that and so i'm done for a season don't need to race more after that and how did the race play out for you can you sort of give me a little bit of a race report 
Um, yeah, so um, it was actually fairly dense on the swim. We were, we were 12 together out of the swim. A couple of fast swimmers like Andrew Horsfall Turner uh, were there. Um, so I think the swim was pretty honest. Even though for an Ironman to be 12 in the first pack is uh, fairly, is a lot of people. But Magnus Ditlev was in that, he was last of that front pack. So uh, I was, you know, we're always hoping that guys like him are in the second pack. So we have a little bit of a buffer starting the ride. In the end, we did have a small one because he put these long aero socks. His T1 time was like between a minute and a minute and a half slower. So he must have struggled a little putting the socks on. But so I never saw him. So I thought he was in the second pack. So I started the 510K kind of moving through the group and guys like Denis Chevreau, who's constantly running, uh, you know, 235, 234, 236. And all of his Ironmans was right there. So um, I was probably not the only one thinking that, but we all knew we had to drop him and uh, get bigger gaps on Matt Hansen and other guys like that. Um, I didn't even know, but like guys like Arthur Orso, um, Sam's training partner, he was on the start list and I saw him at the briefing, but I didn't know uh, he ended up not racing. He had a fever, I guess. And uh, even guys like Christian Hogan, Haug were on the start list, but he was sick or injured. I can't remember which one it was. So yeah, so um, 10K in the ride. I really searched pretty hard. Me and Jesper Svensson were kind of pushing the pace. And uh, while I was leading the race and we had a bit of a gap on the, the pack behind with Mark Hart and... Uh, Casper, what's his name? The guy who finished second. Stepnia. And uh, Chevreau. Uh, Magnus came by. So I was already kind of in attack mode. So when he came by, I really had to push. Um, eventually, long story short, we dropped uh, five guys, including Chevreau. So that was good. And uh, so we just finished the ride. Uh, we did the whole, whole rest of the ride, all seven of us. Magnus didn't really do mega surges to try to drop us after that that beginning one. I think he realized it was going to be difficult. And so we somewhat worked together. Um, my power actually was quite high in the end for being in a group for, you know, 95% of the ride. So um, you know, my normalize was just shy of 300 watts on a flat course, you know, so the average and normalized difference is not that high. So, um, yeah, that, that explains why we rode uh, 359, four hours flat for the, the full 180K. I actually have three hours 59 on my Garmin, 480.1K. So in my book, that was a solid sub four hours. And then um, onto the run. Yeah, so my whole pre-race plan was I wanted to be in T2 with Magnus. He was a favorite for this race. So most of my race plan was was based on him and based on not being in T2 with some of the very, the faster runners. And so that's what happened. And he didn't have to put socks on. So he had a slight gap ahead of me out of T2, but I ran, you know, 330 to 335 pace just at the beginning, you know, pretty quickly to just get running behind him. And then, uh, yeah, we ran the first uh, 10K together. He was leading the beginning. And then I started leading after 7, 8K. And uh, I felt pretty effortless. That was the best I felt in the beginning of a marathon of an Ironman. And um, after 11, 12K, he, I felt like I had a few meters on him. 
So um, I just kept on the pace. I didn't really surge, but I was I was just running, you know, pretty much 340 a K. Um, all those Ks of the first half marathon. And they were pretty effortless. So that was great. So guys like Mark Hart and Stepniak were still not, not too far behind. They could still see me. And uh, I just kept that pace till 32K when it's it still felt fairly easy, let's say. And then I slowed down a little bit last uh, 10K, but probably, yeah, 10 seconds a K. But um, yeah, never was really, you know, in the red. And uh, came home with the win and my best run by four minutes. 242 was my previous best in Nice. But I feel like I'm pretty new at Ironman, you know, so... It's kind of same in at the half distance where I started my career at 113s and I eventually ran a 109. And that's kind of what happened in, in the Ironman distance. I started, well, I started a bit slower. It was about 248. Then I had some some pr- bad performances due to lack of sodium in Kona and Cozumel last year. And then real dialed in my, my mostly really my sodium intake. That's made a huge difference. And so this year, 245, then 242, then 238. So, um... Yeah, that was about the recap. It was a mega performance, and like obviously, you you won the race by about seven minutes over Casper Stepniak, and and then Matt Marquardt was almost ten minutes back. But was the main you know feel good person to beat there, Magnus, considering he came third at at the World Champs and you came fourth? Yeah, I mean Magnus is ranked second in the world, and with performances like Roth, um, especially I think more than Worlds, you know he is pretty much the best Ironman athlete out there or at least you know definitely in the top three and uh I mean he he has the the fastest time well I guess Blumenfeld still has the fast time from Cozumel but um yeah our, our second best time so um, I mean it's always definitely a good thing to be one of the best guys I mean obviously he didn't have one of his very best days but it's it is really encouraging for me to know that even if he was on his best day you know, on that marathon, he's his best run is two thirty seven. I ran two thirty eight. You know, we're we're right there. We would have been neck and neck. So that that's also encouraging. So with these two big Ironman performances to end your year at the World Champs and then at Florida, what does that mean for your twenty twenty four race season with the Ironman Pro Series, but then also with PTO, you know, doing their first World Championship series of of racing. Yeah, I mean, my plan even before Florida or just this year was that, well, actually, I already wanted to do this this year, kind of do more halves. It actually ended up being the exact opposite. But uh, and that was kind of because of Nice uh, with the world champs being in Nice. I really wanted to do that. So I had to qualify in Texas. And then and then after Nice, I decided to do Florida because I didn't see myself not going to Kona next year. Now I'm starting to feel, especially after Florida, well, Nice and Florida, I'm starting to feel really good at the full Ironman distance. Yeah, so I wanted to qualify. And so now it's great. Since I am qualified, I can technically only do one full next year, do Kona, and then follow up with my plan of doing more 70.3s or half or 100K distance, which will end up being the PTO 100K distance. And I might throw in uh, Roth in there. But um, yeah, for me, that's kind of the perfect program, you know, a Roth, a Kona, and then PTO series. So that's, that's the plan for now. I'm really excited to be able to finally talk about something I've been keeping myself for quite a while. 
and that's Precision Fuel and Hydration's newest product, the Flow Gel. The Flow Gel has been designed to fix a problem we've all had at some point of how do we carry enough fuel for our long rides and races? Because we've all had to stop at gas stations or corner stores on long rides because we've run out or go to an aid station during a race to take on a product that we've never tried, never tested and don't really want to use but have been forced to. That's where the Flow Gel comes in. The Flow Gel is 300 grams of carbohydrate in one gel. It's a slightly different formula to their regular gel though, which is where the name Flow comes from because it flows out of each gel pouch really, really easily. And because of this, they've also released a Flow Bottle, which is a bottle that has a scale on the side so you can squeeze the Flow Gel into it and like chuck it into your bottle cage on the bike or carry it on a run. And then as you drink from it, you'll know exactly how many grams of carbohydrates you've taken on of the 300 grams that you started with. You don't even have to add water because they spent so much time engineering the perfect mix of, of the gel. Each flow gel contains the equivalent of 10 gels, but it's resealable. So you don't have to use it all at one time if you don't want to. And it is basically the exact same gel as my favorite precision fuel and hydration product, the PF90 gel, just prepared slightly differently so it flows more easily. Leon Chevalier um, was testing on the run-up to coming fifth at the Ironman World Championships in Nice, and he said that he used to have to squeeze 10 gels into a bottle before a race, but now he can just pour a flow gel into a flow bottle, and that saves him time, and um, it just helps him keep, tab keep tabs on exactly what he's getting on board. He just loves how efficient and convenient it is and said that it really did change fueling for him on the lead-up and race day uh, at the Ironman World Championships this year, so that's huge coming from him. Flow Gel is available on pre-order now exclusively on Precision Fuel and Hydration's website, which I put the link to in the show notes. It'll be shipping most places by mid-October, um, right in time for the Aussie and Kiwi summer of long rides and for the rest of the world, probably right on time for uh, your long trainer sessions. Remember to use the discount code HTT23 for 15% off when you do decide to go on pre-order some. Something I've been wanting to ask you about for a little bit is how your um, relationship and, and coach-athlete relationships going with Mikael Eden, uh, mainly because he was someone we heard a lot from in, in 2022. But for 2023, I don't think any, anyone's really heard about uh, what's going on in Mikael's life outside of, you know, maybe the odd comment here and there. But he doesn't really um, seem to be in the spotlight anymore. So how are things going with you and Mikael and, and, and how's the training been going? I mean, I guess he was in the spotlight, what, because – he coached Lionel and Colin. Lionel and Colin, and then always with the big 2022 year that Gustav and, and Christian had, you know, the Norwegians were the were everything in 2022. But he wasn't coaching them, though. So I guess it's just because he's his brother. Yeah, in his YouTube videos, every, every, everywhere Gustav was, Mikael seemed to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm the, the only, the last long course guy he's coaching, I think. I mean, he's very involved with the um, the current, well, outside of Gustav and Christian, the best uh, ITU Norwegian guys, Kasper Storns, Vetle, and uh, some of the fast of the fastest girls as well. So he does everything with them. He goes on all the camps, and I mean, he's just you know he's the main guy there. So that is his priority. I'm kind of, uh, and I don't mind saying this honestly. I'm kind of like a side thing. I feel like. But I think he enjoys it and it doesn't take him too much time because he had, doesn't do anything in person with me. But um, I think it works with as a, for me as an athlete because I'm not a type of athlete that really needs someone there every day. You know, I'm in, intrinsically motivated. I know how to plan my training and 
get things done. Um, you know, yeah, I just don't really need to be on a leash. So uh, I feel like I have enough experience by now that like also a big thing is I feel like the way you implement your training as an athlete has a big impact on the, your, the results. And so I'm really responsibilized in my own training the way we do it like this, where he's not like supervising like crazy. I do follow his his training like I do everything like almost perfectly. But uh, yeah, I think it is important to responsibilize yourself and in your actions and not always rely on a coach, you know? Can you explain what you mean by that? Responsibilizing myself? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of what I said. The way you, I feel like you you can have two different athletes with the same coach, right? And the way they do the training, the same training will be, will have different results. It can be the paces you do in the workouts. It can be, how you organize your days in the workouts and around the workouts, how you're and that throughout the weeks and months, how you organize your life around the workouts. I mean, just, yeah. And, and your mental strength throughout the whole thing, your belief in yourself going into race and everything. I've always seen so many athletes train so much better than me. I actually still never don't understand it to this day. And then I'm always like way better in racing. And then a lot of guys, yeah, they're just so impressive in training constantly. I see that all the time, year after year. And then I can kind of like step it up in racing. I don't know if it's a mental mental strength thing or if it's like, I have no idea, honestly. But then most guys will not quite perform at their training level. So, um, yeah, I, I've, it's kind of hard to explain, but I just think the way you implement your training yourself, the way you do it on the day-to-day, has a big impact it's not just following a plan right i guess in a way uh, like a good example of this was that famous uh, video series that talbot cox made last year where lionel colin and yourself were all being trained or coached by michael eden leading into the ironman world championships and you seem to be playing this like you know minor character role with colin and lionel being the main characters and they were just smashing themselves and you were you know a few minutes behind them in every interval and then you ended up beating them both in Kona. And then obviously with what you've gone on to do this year, having by far the best year of, of the three of those guys, um, it sort of sums up what you mean a little bit, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, to take the example of Lionel, yeah, he definitely kind of overdid it, to put it simply. And um, yeah, just kind of didn't really, you know, there's a way to build the training as well and build the workouts. You know, if to, if you understand the periodization, the, the same workouts, like a, a, let's say an LT2 track workout, you know, you're going to do it a bit differently if you're uh, 12 weeks out from a wet race or if you're five weeks out from a race. I feel like I kind of start to understand better and better the periodization of that and how you would want to build those workouts rather than being in the mindset like, oh, okay, I'm 12 weeks out. I'm going to try to crush this track set and then i'm gonna try to crush it even more in two weeks and then crush it even more in four weeks you know it doesn't really work like that so yeah that's kind of what i meant and has the training that you and mikhail done evolved much is it or is it very similar to what you were doing say this time last year um it is very similar but i will say there are some things i have learned you kind of always learn how to um, to 
not implement a plan but like yeah how to actually like there's some little things that i actually don't really do anymore so for example the swim part actually on the swim i don't really follow his plan that's the only sport bike and run I, i'm like exact but swim i do way less intensity actually because i've i don't know i just found that it just didn't work for me to do the constant threshold swims like every like twice a week two three times a week every week so i'm kind of more on my uh, older swim pr program where i swim easy quite a bit and then uh, i have these like vo2 max bursts and then when i get closer to racing i will do the longer lt1 i never i actually never do long lt2 swims it's always just for example i'll get up to uh, 15200s for example but it's only every third hard and then the one and two is uh upper aerobic so i'll never do a 10 or 12 or 15 200s all lt2 so that is the only sport where i don't follow what he exactly gives me but uh on the run and bike i, I do so do you have that conversation with him or is he just like sending you through programs on training peaks and you're just going like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And, and you've never really uh, well, talked about also it. I wanted to add something. Uh, for example, I've learned that for me, the high volume running doesn't really work because my legs just get beat up. I risk it much. I get much higher risk of injury. Like for me, 60 to 70 K running is like a really good sweet spot where I can do the 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 long you know the 12ks of lt2 work once or twice a week and um still kind of recover i tried before texas you know really following the run plan or at least do the all the volume and um yeah my legs were just beat up and then i ended up getting a bit of knee pain and yeah it just didn't work for me so just uh lowering a little the volume for example uh, works much better for me on the run so that's just one thing i've learned that makes me in the end perform much better and then on the bike i can always push the volume and in intensity i have more of a, a bit more of a even though i'm a real a triathlete since i was really little i have slightly more of a bike background so that's where my i like never get sore from riding right so um, yeah so just little things you can learn of of how to implement a plan you know just how it's better for you like for example if gustav and christian ran as much as i do that probably would not work for them they they're used to running more right so yeah just things to learn based on a specific plan on how it works better for yourself so is Mikael setting your swim programs and you're just completely ignoring them or do you just sort of have like a conversation where you're like oh, i'm just going to do my own thing and swimming swimming a little bit and like maybe throw ideas back and forth but ultimately you sort of just do your own thing yeah, no, well, so obviously we've talked about it and uh, it's fine. He still puts the swim in because I still do kind of follow the outline and it's good to know when are the days where he thinks I can swim harder and all that. And uh, I still follow pretty much, he, he does give a lot of swimming. So I'd say if anything, I'm a tad lower than what he gives, but I still swim quite a lot. I mean, I swim six times a week on average sometimes even every day and um and it's never really short sets but also i'm not scared on uh, some days where i feel like i've done a lot of of swim work just do a 2k easy and and done when he would like never give me a 2k swim but um 
yeah so and then yeah i kind of implement more of a periodization on that swim as i said so that's where i don't fully follow what he gives so in order to get a, a positive response closer to a race and get to somewhat of a, a peak in that period that's why i go i swim easier when it's a long ways away from the race and then i get closer to following his plan when i'm closer and so that's how i get the peak right uh, for the race because i get a bit of a bigger positive response from the workouts rather than just doing them for the last 12 weeks and obviously the norwegians were known for their high volume norwegian method last year it was like the the talk of of triathlon and you said you're probably doing slightly less than what you know Mikael would set you in a program if if you were following everything 100% but how much um weekly volume do you tend to do yeah and i guess that that is another point so you're bringing it up um in terms of total hours it's i mean i think also a lot of people always exaggerate when they're always like oh yeah i'm there out there grinding the 30 35 hour weeks week in week <laughs> out it's like okay yeah you've probably done like two weeks like that you know and then the third was lower um i do i do better around let's say 23 to 29 hours so yeah average maybe 26 hours i've done 30 hour weeks but it's just tad too much for me so the, the peak weeks will be 28 29 30 hours and i mean before florida i was looking at a 28 hour week I mean, it was still big. Like I swam 25 Ks. I rode, it was a 580 K and I ran 90 K. Like that's a pretty huge week, but in terms of hours, it's 28. It's not over the top. Yeah. When seen like that, seen from that distance perspective, I thought that was a huge week, but in, in hours, it wasn't over the top. While we're talking about the Norwegians, um, given that you are coached by Mikael, can I get your thoughts on Gustav's year? And and obviously he wasn't at Nice as the defending Ironman world champion. What do you think we're going to see from Gustav in the future? Um, I mean, I have faith faith in him. I think uh, he's going get, to get back to it fine. And um, he's had a tough year also with uh, the uh, passing of his mom. I mean, I fully understand that would be really tough. Also, yeah, well, that's the part where I'm not sure. I mean, just the it's been really tough for him to perform at the ITU distance. Um, I guess he's always been clearly better at long distance. Like, it just seems like naturally he's more suited to that. Because even when he was performing much better at the ITU, he was still like a bit on and off. So, but it has been a bit surprising, yeah, to see how far back he was on some of his ITU races. I mean, the level is really high there obviously and it's super dense but uh you we would expect him i guess yeah to to do a little better than what he did but um yeah i don't think he'll have any issue next year he'll probably my guess is he'll probably be all in for the pto and then kona so uh yeah i think it'll be good to see him back at a high level and indulge me in a bit of a silly hypothetical here but it's a question i've been asked a lot so i have wanted to ask it to some of someone else 2022 Ironman World Championship winning performance by Gustav Eden or 2023 Ironman World Championship winning performance by Sam Laidlow. You were in both of those races. Which one did you think was a higher level? Let me think. Well, technically, I could say from my point of view, if you insert me in the race, the Gustav 
was higher because I was so much th further back. So it seemed so much less attainable in a sense. But I was obviously also at a much higher level in Nice. So, uh, I mean, I think uh, it's hard to say. It's two different races, two very different courses. I think both performances were very impressive in different ways. I mean, Sam was in Nice exceptionally strong on the bike. And to do that bike also like he did. And then to still run a 241 off of that in those pretty hot conditions was really impressive. And Gustav to run the run record off a very fast bike as well, more of a group a group ride, but still they were they were strong out there, and yeah, to run two thirty six in Kona, no one ever saw that, so yeah, I mean they they were both exceptional performances and worthy of a world champ. If you're someone who doesn't know what tri suit to race in, or are looking to find one that's faster, comfier, and looks better than the one you're currently wearing then you have got to seriously consider getting yourself one from Win Republic. Win Republic make the world's best-looking tri-suits that are also at the cutting edge of speed, aerodynamic, and comfort technology. And that's what we all want from our tri-suits, really, isn't it? One that's fast, comfy, and looks amazing. That literally sums up what Win Republic's tri-suits are. Their latest suit, the Luco Plus tri-suit, is the one that I recommend to anyone who asks me which one they should try. They have it in lots of different great designs, including the brand new World Champs designs, and you can go and check them out for yourself on Win Republic's website. And if you do want to buy anything from Win Republic, then remember to use the discount code TTH15 for 15% off your order. And I guess that does take us into the Sam Laidlow thing. Uh, big drama. What have what's sort of been going on in your world because of that Sam Laidlow drama? Because you have sort of maybe by no fault of your own found yourself in the middle of it a little bit. Uh, a little. I mean, honestly, for me, it's very simple, really. I'm, I haven't been involved. I'm not involved in this situation. I think a lot of people, and that's kind of the nature of, well, first people and social media is they read like three words about something and then kind of make a, an opinion about something. I am pretty, I, th I find it pretty interesting and very dumb that some people will go out of their way to comment negative things on my pages or on my YouTube or whatever. Uh, I don't pay too much attention to it. And that's why I usually, or sometimes I delete some comments because it's, I'm just in my mind. I'm like, yeah, I don't have time for this. I'm not going to start being a keyboard warrior or whatever. So kind of just removing myself from it. And uh, like, they just see the name Von Berg and it's like, oh, they start thinking some negative things about me. But um, honestly, it hasn't been that many people. It's just a few comments here and there. It's pretty, pretty low. So um, yeah, so, so I mean, that's, that's, it's very simple in the end. As I said, I'm, I'm not involved, so. What did you think when you first saw Sam Laidlow's Instagram post? Um, what did I think? Uh, I don't know exactly. I mean, I just hope maybe that uh, it so nothing would like fall back on me, like unjustly fall back on me, maybe. Did you have any idea that it was going to happen or did it sort of come out of the blue for you? No, I had no idea, obviously, because 
he just, I guess, decided to post that. <laughs> no one knew. Like, what were the conversations with you and your 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 dad like afterwards? Because obviously, the main sort of thing with this Sam Laidlow situation is that it's it's your it seems to be, you know, an email your dad sent is the thing that Sam Laidlow's been, you know, got his hands on and and has then led to this whole thing blowing up. So, yeah, what what were the conversations like with you and your dad uh, following the Instagram post from Sam? I mean, um, not that much. I mean, my dad hasn't kept me posted on much at all of uh, whatever his uh, people are telling him. But so, so also that's, you know, always people are posting, you know, defamation that were, were, word came out a lot. There's no defamation. First, these emails were private. So nothing has been public. And there's no defamation because it's literally just people like athletes or agents or whoever telling things, you know. Like, it's not like my dad is coming up with anything, you know, there's literally people telling him things. And it's like, I guess it started to add up. And he thought the relevant authorities should be notified. That's it, you know. And so did you like when it all started happening, were you just like, oh, I, I can't be bothered with this or, uh, or and even now, what like, are you, do you just want it to go away? I mean, I'm same as my dad. I want the sport to be clean. So if there is something to be found, sure. I mean, we we want dirty athletes to be found. But um, from my point of view, I, as I said, I've never been involved. I've never encouraged anything. I'm just focused on uh, my career. Like I haven't spent any time in this, you know. And uh, as I always said. As a professional, I can't be worrying all the time about my competitors being clean or dirty, right? Because then in the end, like you don't, you, there's no point in training, right? If you start thinking, oh, is this guy doping? Like, then I have no, no chance to beat him. Then what's the point of spending 30 or 26 hours now that I gave you my numbers, <laughs> 26 <laughs> hours a week training if you think that you can't beat the others if they're doping? So, yeah, I, yeah, as you said, I don't. I remove myself from it and I don't worry about it too much. And I want to ask you this question really just because I want to give you the chance to uh, give your opinion on it on a public platform. So your dad maybe has suspicions that Sam Laidlow is doping. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. That's just how it, how it comes across. Have you said anything to your dad to make him think that might be the case? No. Have you had any conversations with him about it that might have made him think that's the case? No, I mean, obviously, we've talked about it a little, really not at length. And uh, he actually told me the other day that there's like plenty of things he hasn't told me because like it's not, he doesn't want to like uh, mix everything. So it's it's like kind of two different things. Like me being him, him get getting some uh, evidence or not evidence or just hearing things from people, and uh, the um, what the ITA is doing. I forgot the word. The investigation, and me being a professional athlete and his son. Like yeah, the, the, these things are completely different. 
And has there been any follow-up since Sam sort of deleted the Instagram post saying that he was going to take it down the professional um, path? Like I assume he means by that um, maybe put it in the hands of lawyers or that kind of thing. Um, you know, has there been any follow-up since the Instagram post? Follow-up on for what? For either yourself or, or your dad or just any any sort of follow-up on the situation or was it sort of just the Insta po- Instagram post happened there was conversation around it, it got deleted and then it's sort of just gone away. I mean, yeah, from my point of view, uh, I mean, as I, as I said, like there's, I've never been involved from, from my point of view. So it's not like there's even needs to be a follow-up or, or no follow-up. I'm like, not, not in it. And my last real question on it, Rudy is following that do did you sort of were a lot of people asking you about it like did the ita who are allegedly you know um, holding this investigation did they get in touch with you uh, has anyone else got in touch with you asking you to give your opinion on it or or what you do or don't know or, or anything like that yeah no i mean the itu has not asked me for my opinion or on anything and uh which makes sense because yeah, I mean, I don't know anything really. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's a it's a confusing situation for those of us on the outside because it's like um, it's just this big sort of like spider web of rumors, really, isn't it? And it's like he said, she said, they said, and yeah, it's uh, it's a tricky one for you. Yeah, I think that's how. It- how anything starts when you're when authorities or whoever starts to I don't know it's kind of like the thing is is there smoke without fire you know I don't know I feel like all all investigations start with smaller things right it's not like it's right away the massive proof that comes out right and I'm not even talking about Sam right now I'm just saying in general and I mean, honestly, I 100% hope Sam is clean. Like, I have nothing personally against Sam. Never had any issue with him. It's really not, like, yeah, there's really nothing between me and Sam. So that's why it's a little annoying for me when I get comments about you're defaming Sam or whatever. I have not said literally anything at all about Sam. So, yeah, it it, it has always seemed to me like you've, maybe unfortunately found yourself in the middle of something that's going on between your dad and Sam Laid though. But I mean, I guess with your profile, you know, the name you are in the sport, you're always going to get stuck in the little, in the middle of it a little bit in a situation like that, where it's your, your dad, um, you know, for lack of a better word versus uh, one of your fellow competitors, it's people are always going to, you know, make that link, even if it's completely unjustified and, and you're not involved in it at all, which I completely believe that, that you haven't yeah, said and anything mean, and aren't involved in it. Yeah, and my, my dad has always been a stand-up person and he's always really, he's, he's a very honest person and has always fought for clean sport or just, yeah, being honest in life. And uh, so when he started hearing, hearing about these things, like he didn't seek these things out. He started just hearing about, about things that were, I mean, it was more than just, you know, one little rumor, right? So he just started, you know, just inquiring here and there, just 
And then he uh, heard about some things and went to the ITA to just, or I actually have no, I don't know if he went to the ITA or if some athletes talked to the ITA to contact him. I have no idea like what, who contacted who, but uh, the whole point is there's, there's an ITA investigation and authority. So that's all there is to me, to it. So that's why I'm saying this because I don't think it's uh, my dad versus Sam thing. Like, there's nothing really personal there in any way. Do you have anything else like on the whole situation that you, you might want to talk about or, you know, just, just give you a chance to, to get your thoughts out there about anything else with the situation? Uh, No, no, I mean, I, I have nothing to add. I've said everything and main thing to take away is as i said i'm not involved in this and i'm just focusing on my career and uh just focusing on my performance and that's it can't can't be worrying too much about others so what's next for you rudy what's the rest of this year look like um you're, you're obviously done with racing for the year i assume i am done yeah i've had my three good results for the ranking kona slot everything so done for the year and a bit of off season right now and then just focus on next year have the pto reached out to you about a contract for next year uh not yet my agent has reached out to them and um all this is yeah is gonna happen in the next weeks for me and and the other athletes that want to do the pto tour and with the pro race series from, from Ironman being announced and obviously we've got the PTO um, World Championship Series for the first time ever. With a lack of a PTO race schedule, does that make it hard for you? Like, do you wish that their schedule was already released the same way Ironman's Pro Series schedule is? Yeah, I mean, ideally, it would definitely be nice to have the whole calendar for, on both sides released. Um, I do really hope they come out with it by January because that's kind of when you're really kind of looking at the training for the season specifically you know it's kind of for me at least it's i'm always like january 1st it's on you know so hopefully they come out with it soon um i do think the iron man series is a really good thing and uh probably i mean most likely right thanks to the pto i mean iron man wouldn't have done this if it wasn't for uh the pto tour and kind of in response to more professionals doing the pto races so um, I think it's a, a really good thing for the sport either way. And uh, yeah, the end of the year bonus for the Ironman series is really good. Um, you do have to do five races though. So um, it, it does make sense that the end of the year bonus is quite high. And out of the five races, you do have to do three full Ironmans if you want to figure well in that ranking. So it is definitely quite a bit of racing. And that is one of the reasons why I'm opting towards the PTO. I, I did not, as I said earlier, I didn't want to do uh, three full Ironmans. But um, yeah, I mean, it's all, all positive all around. In your mind, are the Ironman World Championships still the, you know, the peak of long course triathlon? Or would you rather be the PTO, like the first PTO World Championship next year? If someone said, hey, you can win Kona next year or you can be the PTO world champion? Which one would you pick? I think for now, we're still on the, the Ironman world championship being the bigger one. But um, I think throughout the years, 
that might start changing with the PTO. I mean, this this new World Championship Series literally hasn't happened yet for the PTO, so it's it would be hard to say that's bigger than an Ironman World Championship that's been going on for the last uh, what 30, 35 years. So um, yeah, and that that's why my plan was to get that Kona slot, and uh, because Kona will always be Kona for uh, long distance triathlon. And looking back at it now that we've had our first year with the split venue, split gender world championships um, with Ironman, what are your thoughts on it? Um, well, there's some parts I I do like and some parts I don't like. Uh, I do like that it's not necessarily in Kona, even though with what I just said about Kona, I think it's good to have a slightly different climate and slightly different race course. And um, and I'm not necessarily saying that because Nice is good for me. I think I just think that uh, in general, even if it was a different venue than Nice, kind of reward slightly different athletes. Um, and I the parts I don't like, I definitely don't like separating the men and the women. I think uh, most people agree on that. Um, it, it is good that the women can have their own day of racing. But I think the event should still be on the same same weekend and same place. Um, yeah, I just don't understand really a world where it makes sense to separate men and women. Like it's just, to put it simply, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I think it should be a joint event. And I think it takes a little away from the event having only one gender there. Awesome, Rudy. Well, I think that's pretty much it. Uh it was a great chat and I mean, it's tough conversations about the Sam Laidlow thing, but I, I guess we had to have them. So uh, I'm glad you've come out and, and shared your side of that story because I think it is great for people to hear. And it was yeah, awesome to hear about Florida and even a little bit the world champs and just uh, have a bit of an update on your training and racing because, yeah, you have had a like, seriously amazing year. Um, your fourth at the world championships was was epic and your Florida race, you know, probably – it looked like it was the best race of your career to me. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I got a, I definitely have, have to see. I mean, as most know, but maybe not. I mean, uh, I started winning races in 2018. That was my first breakthrough year, obviously all at the half distance and had some uh, races I'm really proud of in 2019 mostly uh, a race I always mentioned 70.3 European champs and then where the which I won and then uh, that podium at 70.3 worlds in Nice and then even that South American 70.3 championship that same year and then I think I've been steadily you know there were some little lulls like uh, end of last year after the coaching change but uh, I think throughout the years at least since 2018 I've really steadily performed I mean, the first PTO championship in 2020, I uh, was fifth, first off the bike, right there in the mix with the best in the world. So um, there has, yeah, so to answer your question, I mean, there has been really strong performances, I think, every year. And uh, to rank them, I mean, it is a little tough to say if Florida was the best one ever or not. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just say it's definitely in the top three. So, uh, yeah, I'll just leave it there. Yeah. Well, thanks for the update on, on everything, mate. It's always good to chat to you. You're someone who thinks very deeply about the sport. So, yeah, I do, I do love having conversations with you. And, 
we've got to maybe not wait so long for our next conversation because we've really like people for people who aren't uh, in mine and Rudy's DMs. We've been having conversations about getting on a podcast for like four or five months now and just haven't been able to make it happen. So it's it's great to finally uh, have the conversation with you and yeah, look forward to our next chat already, Rudy. So enjoy your off season, mate. Um, and uh, let's hope for a big 2024. Yeah, thank you, Jack. Great to talk to you. As you said, good that we finally had the chat. And uh, yeah, we'll catch up soon. If you haven't been to the Feeds website yet, it's time you went and checked it out. It's your one-stop shop for all things triathlon nutrition. The Feed basically have all of the world's best training and race day nutrition products in one place. So you don't have to do multiple orders from multiple websites and pay shipping on all of them. Or you don't have to go to the effort of driving around to different shops to get different products. You can just head to the Feeds website and it's all there in one place for you. So like I said, if you haven't gone and checked it out, you should go and do that right now. You'll see for yourself how easy it makes buying all of your training and racing nutrition. It's also a really good way to look at nutritional products you never knew existed and try them out by chucking them on top of your order and seeing if they might work for you. Thefeed.com. It really is your number one resource for all things triathlon nutrition. 